It's not about adding stuff, about removing. We need to look at it a different way. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think, I, I think that it's starting to move in a new direction and I hope it does because that new direction of approaching it from a diet and lifestyle, that's going to do us a lot better. And so hopefully it does continue to move in that direction. Hello and welcome to the Confidential Podcast, where we discuss and demystify life and everything that impacts it. I'm Simone Gisondi, author, health strategist, life transformation consultant, and overall life enthusiast. I dive deep into the fascinating world of life with each show. Each episode features in-depth conversations with experts, thought leaders, as well as personal stories and experiences that will bring the world around us to life. Whether you're a curious newcomer or a passionate enthusiast, come with me on a journey of discovery and enlightenment. Tune in every week and join me as I demystify all things that touch life. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Confidential. I have one of my favorite guests back today. We decided we're going to do a bit of a masterclass for you all. Uh, this is my friend Ryan here with me today. And Ryan is a fellow health coach and an expert in all things related to nutrition and how that helps us achieve our health goals. He speaks from many many personal stories of the things that he had tried, tested, and the research he, he has done. Ryan, thank you so much for wel welcome, and thank you so much for joining me all the way from the UK. It's okay. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I appreciate you uh, making a trip back to my show. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the work that you do for um, in your health coaching with your clients and also in your personal life how you ended up uh, where you are today on this journey doing all of this health coaching. Yes. Yeah, so with our health coaching, we we work one-to-one -one with clients um, using just diet and lifestyle to to optimize their health and to combat, you know, serious health conditions uh, mm -hmm. like, you know, diabetes and cancer and autoimmune and things like that um, to, to combat them. And, you know, we found um, – that you can combat pretty much everything through just those things without needing to do medication and surgery and all these other kind of things. So, so that's the the main thing we do there. We also try to educate people um, with, with our work. And and I got here from you know my own personal journey and experimenting on myself as we do, and you know starting learning new things and finding what worked and what didn't work, and going on a journey and then taking it from there to then start helping others. Um, and seeing the amazing benefits of that and and just kept going to to where we are now so it's been an interesting journey and we, we've learned a lot and we're we're still learning yeah as we all do of course because uh throughout time and i wanted to bring this up because and i wanted to hear what you have to say about it uh throughout time i think that the various approaches to health and i listened to this podcast just the other day and the guest on the podcast actually said something that's so profound he talked about how medicine went through various phases. And of course, I agree with that. So he called it medicine 1.0, medicine 2.0, and now we are in medicine 3.0. And 2.0 has been a very pharmacological approach to health. Um, however, right now, we are headed towards, and I think you probably can agree that this has been the direction that, that health and wellness is going in especially with individuals such ourselves, um, 
being able to step in to help people and guide them on this journey of back to being healthy, vibrant, and uh, to increase longevity. Um, so he talked about the the upcoming approach to health, so Medicine 3.0, as one that um, sort of focuses on acute conditions that are treated by the pharmacological um, industry and let's say things related to accidents or things like that where it needs very like intervention that's very invasive but necessary at the same time and the rest especially when it comes to chronic disease such as what you just said so health conditions serious health conditions like diabetes cancer things of that nature would be approached with a lifestyle change diet change and that will take us in the direction where we can reverse these things and the damage done by the current approaches that we have used thus far. And then we could head into the direction where the pharmacological intervention will be limited just to those acute situations. And we will maintain health with the lifestyle and dietary approaches. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think he's completely right. Um, I, th I think that the the pharmacological approach i think we have to accept in terms of these chronic diseases um we have to accept has failed because across the last 100 years as as we've done that and as more and more medicine has been available health's got worse like you say emergency right. care you know absolutely and the advances in medicine we made which were successful were um you know in uh, things like um viruses uh and you know improving the cleanliness of, of of water and things like that, which stopped a lot of the things that used to kill us. But now what's killing us is just metabolic lifestyle conditions. And if anything, medicine appears to be making it worse. So I agree completely that, that that's the way we need to go. And we shouldn't need um, pharmaceuticals or the medical industry unless we have some sort of accident, as you said. But, you know, we're going to them all this time for these conditions, but they're just caused by our lifestyle and by what's going in our body and our environment. And we can change that. And we, we shouldn't need to go to them. We we don't need uh, medicine to to reverse these things. We need to remove the poisons from our lives. I think recently I, I heard someone say something which was very, uh, very right on the ball, which is that too many people want to add something to their life for health. You know, people want to continue living as they are and just find one supplement, add it in that will make it perfect. When actually what we would want to do is take stuff out. It's not about adding stuff, about removing. We need to look at it a different way. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think I, I think that it's starting to move in a new direction and I hope it does because that new direction of approaching it from a diet and lifestyle, that's going to do us a lot better. And so hopefully it does continue to move in that direction. Well, yes, and especially if you think about it, most people usually go on diets, and we call them diets. I know that mm. that word has so many meanings depending on who's looking at it, because I think that people intuitively know that what they are eating at the moment has gotten them to where they are and has had an impact on their health, and they're not happy with the current health that they're experiencing or the level of health and the quality of life that they're experiencing. Um and so many people have health conditions that they don't want to be, you know, experiencing anymore. They're on medications. But the most important thing, so I did a little bit of research before um, we got started. And I I found that 
it's only about, it's actually less than, but around the 1% of people in the UK, as well as here in North America, where I am, that people follow healthy eating guidelines and they don't adhere to things long-term. So that's why typically diets are known to fail. Like when you say diet, it means, and that term typically has the meaning of restriction. So I'm going on a diet, which means I'm not going to eat certain things. So that triggers in the mind deprivation, scarcity. Uh, I'm not going to be able to enjoy or have taste, uh, or I'm not going to eat things that taste good that I typically um, feel good when I eat. And especially when you think in terms of the fact that typically what we do is we enjoy foods when we celebrate, when we mourn, when we lose, when we go through breakups, when we go through divorces, when we go through job losses, like what do we turn to? It's become more or less even a an addiction, really, uh, on the grand scheme of things. So, uh, and, and in the same breath, I would say that people who have gone through or know people that have gone through eating disorders, it's almost the same thing because you have the addiction to wanting to get rid of something, especially like people that find themselves in the space of um, bulimia, anorexia, you want to have that level of control. It's the addiction of the control. But I wanted to talk about, in particular, about one specific diet. And the reason why I chose this one is because I have actually gone on it myself and I've experienced tremendous help. And I wanted to hear how you feel about it. I know last time you and I spoke, you were a proponent of it. And I want to see how in your journey and this health journey that we are talking about, what experience you've had with it. And that's the ketogenic diet. And I know that um, a lot of people look at it uh, and I've spoken about it in various circles. A lot of people look at it as very damaging. Uh, There's lots of deprivation because obviously ketogenic diet has lacks some nutrients, of course. Um, but we have to expect that when you are optimizing for something in particular, and I'm speaking from the perspective, putting aside my my education in nutrition, um, I think I mentioned last time you and I spoke, I, I went and I did a couple of fitness competitions. Uh, during that time, I used a ketogenic diet and I turned my physique around literally in six weeks. I kid you not. Most people take about 20 weeks and this is the standard in the industry. You get 20 weeks to get ready for a show and you have to sort of present a physique that's worthy of the stage and a physique that meets the requirements of the various categories. So if you're in uh, physique, which is you have to be muscular, uh, more vascular, uh, bikini, which is very feminine and soft. Nevertheless, every single category requires that you manipulate your, your dietary intake to a degree that it actually yields the physique that you're looking to achieve to be able to step on stage and compete in that category. So I use the ketogenic diet. Um, I will say that coming from the place where, because I did enjoy carbohydrates, uh, getting to the point of having to eliminate the carbohydrates, which is one of the foundational pieces of the keto ketogenic diet, we'll talk about that, was difficult at first. But once I stepped into that zone, it was the best thing ever. And I really want to preface this also by saying that, um, and I saw this online, it was so profound. It says, don't blame 
meat and fat for what sugar has done to you. And it's so true because if you think about it, there are um, diseases, chronic diseases such as diabetes and diabetes has a spectrum. Uh, obviously, as we all know, especially those of us that are experts in the health and wellness field, um, type one diabetes where the pancreas doesn't produce insulin, type two diabetes, which is the most prevalent, where um, obviously you do not get like the blood sugar to go into the cells because you're resisting the insulin, your cells are insulin resistant. Uh, type three diabetes, which I know that in many medical circles is not talked about or seen as such, but they call that Alzheimer's and dementia, but it's a diabetes of the brain that leads to these conditions. Uh, and I spoke about this in uh, a 12-week program that I led, type 4 diabetes. Now I refer to it as such, and that is um, in pregnancy when women experience um the diabetes where like their blood sugar gets so high. And of course, it's typically it affects the child after birth as well. So that's why it's so important to regulate blood, um, your blood sugar. So make sure that those levels are where they should be. Um, but let's start with what the ketogenic diet is just for the audience. I really want this to be an educational piece so people understand why we are such proponents of the ketogenic diet. Um, I know that from my perspective, uh, it's where you drastically reduce, which is what I said I did when I was getting ready for my competition. You drastically reduce your carbohydrate intake. You replace it with fat, which is so much more delicious. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reduction in the carbohydrate intake actually gets the body to go into a state, into a metabolic state, I should say, uh, that is called ketosis. Um, and what the body does is it becomes efficient at burning fat for energy. So typically when people consume carbohydrates, the energy that the body uses is from those carbohydrates. When you eliminate that source, the body has to then go into burning another fuel and that is fat in the ketogenic diet. And what it does is it turns uh, fat into ketones that happens in the liver and then that supplies energy for the brain and for the rest of the body. How do you see it? Did I cover all the bases? Yeah, that's brilliant. That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's uh, as you say, carbohydrate restriction, uh, which you know, turning your body from using carbohydrate for energy to to using that fat for energy uh, and running on those ketones, which right. then you know it uses our, our our dietary fat and also our body fat, which is why it's great for for weight loss for people who need to lose weight because you're burning your body fat all the time instantly and you know you can turn up and down the dietary fat and protein that you're getting in and and use it to benefit for that so yeah you you've hit the nail on the head there with, with what it is um and and what it's used for there yeah what you said though is very important because i didn't say that in my definition so uh, talking from a dietary perspective you you take in just the fat that you're getting from let's say very healthy sources. We don't, we're not proponents of getting trans fats or any mm. crap of that nature. We'll talk a little bit about that, but rather from really good, good sources like avocados and nuts and seeds and butter, uh, things of that nature. 
But what you said is very important as well. And that's actually obviously what I did. So the body goes and turns to itself and it actually uses up the fat that you've accumulated over the years and it feeds on that, which obviously once it's used up, you are losing that fat from the body. So you look better, which is exactly what happened with me when I was um, getting ready for my show. Um, and I used some dietary fat and protein, so very small intake from my diet. And then my body was using it then from the from the diet as well as from my own body, which was brilliant. I mean, I I sort of, and I haven't made this public, but I did chronicle the journey. I could see, and I was taking pictures of the scale as I could see how like my, I was losing the weight so I could see the number change, but I was also tracking it on an app that was showing me how my body fat percentage was being reduced. So when I competed, I competed at roughly about, I believe I was 11% body fat, which was quite low. I know the healthy range for women is in about the 20s, and that's a very normal range that we are considering at the moment, but I was doing this for a uh, for a show. It was for a day. It's not something that I was expecting to sustain operating and living life at 11% body fat for the rest of my existence, far be it. But um, I'm wondering, so in what way did you use it personally for yourself, for your family to be able to get results and the health benefits of it? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, with what I did with my diet is I've removed carbohydrates completely from my diet. So I don't eat any carbohydrates at all. Um, completely zero zero carb so, so you know i get the benefits from it um and i always say to people if anyone needs if anyone's looking to do weight loss you know removing carbs is basically a cheat code um to right. to, to losing weight it's it's it makes it so easy it just drops off you and it didn't even matter how much i ate as long as i wasn't eating carbohydrates you know the the, the weight came off um but there's a ton of i mean weight is one of the want just one of the side effects of a benefit to it yes. there's so many health benefits you get to it as well um and th there's just so many benefits to removing carbohydrates from your diet and people don't need to completely remove them you know there's the the thing that the the one of the drawbacks of the ketogenic diet that, that i have an issue with is that it's not because it's not got set you know guidelines it's it's very open to interpretation and there's very many different versions and there's a lot of versions of keto out there which really yes. are not very good at all. And that's why yes. a lot of people struggle with it. A lot of people, you could, you could do a ketogenic diet still eating just processed foods. Um, and, you know, it's a ketogenic diet done properly is amazing, but, you know, it's very easy to, to mess it up and, and to do things wrong. And then you, and then you have issues. So that, that's one of my issues with it. Um, it, it needs to be done properly, as with all things. But if you can, the, the health benefits are just amazing. Our, our, our body, I mean, the energy is a huge one as well. Because as we say, our body can run on carbs or fat, but fat is just a much, it's a long-term energy. It's just like a steady energy. I'm sure you experienced that when you were on it too. With oh, yes. carbs, you get this up and this down and this up and this down, which is your blood sugar's doing that too. But with fats, it's just steady and the other thing is that, you know, carbohydrate, I think we, we can only carry around 2000 calories of carbohydrates on us any sort of one time. Whereas with fat, just an average size man who's not, not fat, not overweight, just normal, carry about a hundred thousand calories of fat on them at any one time. So, you know, if we, if we're tapping into our body fat, we have almost endless energy. So that's just another one of the, the benefits that we have from it. 
I'm so glad you said that because I really want people to see it, especially with the the figure that you just uh, said. So a hundred thousand calories. Imagine if you could just say, well, instead of going to the fridge to eat something right now, because I'm hungry, why don't I just let my body tap into that hundred thousand calories? I don't need to, you know, go and eat, especially for people that count calories. Um, and as an aside, when I was doing, when I was getting ready for my show, I never once counted calories. I never said, well, this piece of chicken has, you know, this many calories and this piece of, you know, butter has this many, cal like I never counted any of that. Uh, but I, I did keep it, um, very small in the sense of I would count how much I would eat, let's say six ounces of chicken. So I was counting how much of that I was eating, but I never counted like, well, how many calories are in that six ounces? Uh, none of that. But it's important for people to recognize that if you have access to 100,000 calories, if you have access to, you know, and of course, for obese people, that's significantly higher. And you have access to that. It's like saying, you know, you have $100,000 in the bank. Well, yeah. would you want to go and work <laughs> to accumulate more when you have an like an abundance of it in the bank, chances are you'd probably say, no, 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 I'm going to invest this wisely and I'm not going to go and, you know, expend any more energy to get more money. So that is brilliant. Um, so you have used it for, obviously for the same reason for health. And, and that's an important thing that we want to make sure that the audience gets that the ketogenic diet has many different uses. Of course, I used it for very vain purposes because I was getting ready for a fitness competition. But I think that it it's so diverse in the sense of it can be used for that. It can be used for health purposes, especially. So historically speaking, I know that it was developed back in, I believe, the 1920s. And it was actually a treatment for epilepsy. And I learned that when I went to school to study holistic cancer therapies. Um, and this was one of the things that they were proponents of even for cancer. We can go a little bit more into that. But because when I studied that and then I went and I did internships, I saw how incredibly useful this is. And I used this with my dad as well when he had cancer. And even back in the 20s when it was developed, it was widely used for the same purpose until obviously they developed drugs and then they kind of turned to drugs. So those suffering from epilepsy were subsequently put on drugs. Uh, but the diet was amazing. And I think in more recent times right now, it's gained popularity as a weight loss um, and a lifestyle diet, especially with the low carb movement. And and, and that's sort of akin to, um, not that I'm trying to offend any men out there, but I think the Viagra pill, the little blue pill was developed for something drastically different than what it ended up now being used for predominantly. So from a historical perspective, the keto diet was actually a um, healing diet. I know that I'm not allowed to use that word, but I am. <laughs> and it actually helped tremendously. And I believe it it was Dr. Natasha Turner that uh, was a big proponent and she went forward with it for, for, for epilepsy. Um, and again, that, so Ryan, I really want to get your take on this. That speaks to the fact that you could heal the brain when you remove the sugar, which is the, the diabetes I was alluding to, type 3 diabetes, when things like that, so epilepsy, Parkinson's, like all of these cognitive disorders, um, epilepsy, uh, 
Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and that whole spectrum that involves anything related to the brain. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was the, where it came about was that even in ancient, ancient times, they knew that fasting basically stopped epileptic seizures. And they, they knew that, but obviously you can't fast forever. That's right. And so then, as you said, in the 1920s, they developed and the keto diet at first was called a fasting mimicking diet because yes. they found that essentially if you didn't eat carbohydrates, it basically had the same effect of not eating, but you were able to eat food, which means you can survive. You know, they, they used to, before that time, children with epilepsy were like, they were just wasting away because they would be trying to fast them for long periods of time and hardly feed them because that was the way to stop their seizures. So then, yeah, with the ketogenic diet, they found that actually without the carbs, you can eat and and it, and it still works. And so, yeah, that, that was where it came from. And it, it's actually the most studied diet um, that there is the ketogenic diet. P people say about, you know, they call it a fad diet and things like that still, but it's the most studied diet there is. It's still an approved um, medical treatment for children with epilepsy and um, only in children. There you go. You know why? Because they've got more drugs they can give to adults. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the standard, just like uh, the, the low carb diet was the standard for diabetes too, until they discovered insulin. And once they discovered insulin, they started to realize that actually, if they have more carbs, they need more insulin. And so they started to increase the, the carbohydrates of it. So it's a similar story. The, the, and the ketogenic diet has been around the whole time, but it didn't ever fully go away, but it was kind of, you know, brushed to one side because of the drugs and other treatments. But it, it, it has um, been coming back a little bit more recently as we're starting to see that movement, like you alluded to at the start, back to more lifestyle Um lifestyle treatment for diseases and and it's you know it, it's being found to have huge benefits for anything and like you said especially for brain health because the ketones for the brain are just they're, they're another level they are the preferred fuel for our brain and people always talk about that our brain has to use glucose which it does very small portion of glucose it has to use but other than that our brain runs so much better on ketones and you see improvement in all of these things um, that you mentioned there, you know, the Parkinson's, the Alzheimer's, the dementia, the things like MS and other things like that, all um, we're right. getting improvements on a, on a ketogenic diet. So, I mean, I think if you go back in history, really for the majority of the time humans have been around, our diet would have been pretty much ketogenic. You know, they weren't you know, they weren't attempting to do a ketogenic diet like we are now. But if you look at how they ate, they probably would have been ketogenic most of the time because they weren't eating as regularly as we do now. They didn't have all these processed sugars. And so more than likely, ketosis is actually our natural state. And we've changed it with the introduction of all these sugars and carbohydrates um, to, to running on carbs when actually our body really probably prefers to run on, on the ketones. I'd like to take a quick break now to let you know that today's show is sponsored by my book, Against Medical Advice. This book is a memoir and it tells the story of how I built my life back after suffering a stroke during my divorce. I discuss the nutritional, lifestyle and mindset aspects that I put into practice to regain my health and rebuild my life. The book has been a labor of love, both writing it and publishing it, and I couldn't be more proud of it please pick up your copy from Amazon. For your very own signed copy, my email address is simone at simonegisandi.com. Oh, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd please consider leaving a review once you've read the book. And now, back to the show. 
Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I know this is going to be nothing related to, but in some degree, indirectly, it's affecting. Like what I'm trying to say is, so I was watching, I started watching, I know I'm a little late, Game of Thrones, the show. Mm. I was probably the only person on planet Earth that was not watching it when it was going on back in the day. And I believe it was like uh, earlier in the 2000s. But I am watching it now. And the nutritionist in me, every time it shows when they are cooking to eat, typically they are cooking something they caught an animal, like mm. a rabbit or something. And that's all they're eating. And they're walking for thousands of miles to get to their destinations and they're hunting and they're doing whatever they're doing. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I actually made that observation. I said, huh, look at that. So even in prehistoric times, people were eating predominantly what they were catching and they did not have access to, you know, Kit Kat and Twinkies and all kinds of other, you know, anything that raises your blood sugar. And, and what you said about insulin, I really wanted to drive this home. That is actually the hormone for uh, for growth or increase. For So if you're trying to gain weight, uh, and this is this was big in the bodybuilding industry, the insulin is the way to do it. And I don't know anybody that has health issues that needs to gain weight. If anything, most people are actually on the other side of the coin. They're actually in need of losing weight. And even for those that are questioning, because they, a lot of times when I speak to people, they're like, but I'm going to be hungry. And I said, if you go through a, and tell me if you've, if you've ever done fasting, Ryan, when I do fasting, um, it's the first couple of days, day one, day two, that are the most difficult. And I really want to talk about the pros and cons of keto, but um, the first couple of days are the most difficult when you're fasting. Once you get into day two and a half, day three, man, you're rocking and you have so much energy. And I want to go into the why and how behind it because I want people to understand its benefits. So you liberate the, um, the body's need to process food that you eat, which takes energy. So now that energy is no longer being used to process food, especially when you eat a lot of crap and that takes a lot of processing. If anything, so I learned this from one of my teachers when I was going through my studies, uh, digesting a meal, and I'll explain exactly why, is actually uses more energy than a workout, running a marathon, all of those things combined. And if you think about it, think of for anybody who has, and I don't know if there's anybody out there who hasn't, especially in, you know, where you are in the UK, here in North America, when you have those meals at Thanksgiving, those really big, rich, diverse meals, and typically it's one meal, so don't go thinking it's like, you know, a whole week affair. It's just one meal. And you then want to sleep. Yeah. Obviously, your body is going to say, listen, I don't have enough energy to give you to be able to go and do any other things. You're going to be forced now to rest so that I can do this really massive amount of work that you just gave me. So there is no other activities that you can engage in right now other than resting and sleeping so that I can work on this. And the body literally forces you to rest, to be able to give all of its energy 
to digesting this food and going through the four processes of um, metabolic processes. So digestion, which is the mechanical breakdown of the food, assimilation, where all the nutrients are assimilated into the body, utilization, where all the nutrients are utilized for the production of the various things that we need to produce in the body, such as our hormones, enzymes, so on and so forth. And then elimination, which is when we eliminate the metabolic waste. So that that's the four-step process takes a tremendous amount of energy and it doesn't happen in an hour or two. This is like over a long period of time for the body as it's going through those processes. And the more backed up you are, the more toxic you are, the more stagnation you have, the harder it is for the body to go through that. So I really wanted to drive that home that if you're looking to, you know, go and play around with, with that very important hormone insulin, it it means that you're looking to gain weight because that's exactly what's going to happen. And I also want to emphasize, uh, because a lot of people believe that fruits are exactly the same. So don't equate an apple to a um, donut. The, the, the sugar is vastly different. And that's a more in-depth conversation around that. So when we talk about sugar, we're talking about the really bad refined white sugar, um, there was one teacher that said um, when I was going through school about white bread, he said, the whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. So I just wanted to make that distinction. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons of the keto diet, especially from your perspective and mine as well, from our various uh, studies and education, as well as from our own personal experiences. What were some of the pros for you, aside from what you just mentioned, that Obviously, it's great for healing and it's great for weight loss. What are some of the other things that you have um, noticed? I mean, one of the other great benefits from it you actually touched on earlier, which is that you don't need to count calories. You don't you don't need to track like it's it's, you know, the, with the way I do it, you I just eat till I'm full. And I encourage clients as well. Eat till you're full. Stop and just don't eat again until you're hungry. Um, right. And and it, it's really simple. Um that that's a great benefit i think um as we said we talked about cognitive so things like brain fog clear up the mental focus comes yes. back because you made a great point about digestion digestion takes a huge amount of energy i i always when i exercise i always do it fasted if i'm going to be doing some kind of exercise i won't eat before you, you shouldn't eat before because it takes up so much energy your digestion and especially as you said if you've had a, a poor meal so it's it's yeah it, it is definitely key to to not do that and be eating this way allows you to because it's so easy for me to go without food if i need to i as i say i eat till i'm full if i don't eat all day i'm absolutely fine because my body is in that process where we're using our fat if if you're eating carbohydrates and you go for a long time without eating at some point your body has to be forced to switch over its energy source and and that's an adaptation phase and it takes a while and you're going to feel a bit rubbish while it happens. And that's why, you know, like in um, in athletics, it, when people hit the wall, like if they're doing a, wrong, uh, a long run, like a marathon and they hit the wall, they feel like they've got no energy. That's you running out of glucose. If you push through it, you actually get a second wind and you feel fine because that's you switching so on to true. fat burning. So true. But if you just start off fat burning, you don't ever hit the wall and you you just keep going. So, yeah, the, the, the energy is is amazing. We don't have to worry about when I'm eating, you know, it's, it's simple. Um, things like it's, it's low inflammation as well. So 
things like joint pain, you know, I have a very physical job, I play sports and I would be, you know, getting older and I'd be aching and sore the next day and things like that. And that just all completely gone, which we find with people as well. Things like um, rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, autoimmune conditions like that just, you know, can completely go. It just removes that pain by being anti-inflammatory. Um, there's all kinds of things. I mean, I've personally, I've heard other people say this as well, and I can actually attest to this myself is that I've, I've actually, my eyesight has improved as well, Wow. which, which, you know, seems kind of weird. Um, but, but it, it seems to have, um, a lot of people have had their hair that was going gray sort of start to come back to the normal color and things like this. So, I mean, the benefits kind of seem endless. They just keep happening. Um, and you kind of notice them as you go. Um, in general, and then obviously looking at conditions, as we said, you know, there's so many health conditions that it's beneficial for and that it works for. And as I say, the, it, it only seems people run into issues if they, if they're doing it wrong, when they're doing it right, it's less common. You know, you could, there's an adaptation phase, I suppose, when we get into the, the cons, we could maybe talk about that. It's an adaptation phase. You can go through side effects, but once you get through that and you adapt, um, you know, it seems pretty good. And, and I've, found great benefits from it. I'm sure, you know, you have a similar story to mine. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you touched on those things. I'm going to run through them again, because those are the things that I had come up with. So the pros of the keto diet are weight loss, first and foremost, I mean, I'm speaking from a vanity perspective, but vanity or health weight loss is actually one of the most important factors, especially if you're coming from a place of, you know, obesity, or even being overweight to the point where you, you know, you bend over to tie your shoelaces and you're out of breath or you're trying to go up a, a flight of stairs and you're not able to breathe properly because, you know, you're obviously um, working with having that extra weight that, you know, you're carrying and your and your body, your heart, your lungs are struggling. And there are so many studies that have shown that people that do this diet, the keto diet, lose weight so much quicker than those that are on the typical low-fat diet, which obviously that was debunked because when they took away the fat, they added in the sugar, and here we are. Otherwise, we would all be skinny mm -hmm. if we had followed the low-fat diet, and none of us, we would not be dealing with an obesity epidemic. Um, so restricting calories is actually not the way to do it even though you're looking at weight loss. And I know that a lot of us have had these, um, like we're conditioned to believe that when you want to lose weight, you have to count your calories, but there are so many ways that you can approach it. So you have to sort of switch your thinking away from what we have been conditioned to think and into, and even be open to thinking of other approaches or as being feasible and testing. So I, I, often when I work with people, I tell them, Hey, why don't you test this out? You know, wake up in the morning, do your, go around your, like do your typical morning routine and then have your, have your breakfast as you normally would. And of course I cringe when I hear the people just hit the, the coffee shop and they get a bagel or whatnot to eat. And, and I, I wrote an article on this and I said, okay, so then do you see how if you have your breakfast at around 8, 30, 9 o'clock, especially for those that work in offices, you see how at 11 o'clock you're hungry again really quickly? Like as soon as you spike that blood sugar. So if you're going to eat something that spikes, spikes your blood sugar, and then when that spike comes down, and oftentimes when you eat these 
refined carbohydrates, what happens is you spike and then you really fall. Like it's a very sharp thing. So once you, you plummet and you fall down, your blood sugar comes down, your body's like, hey, 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 it feels better to be up there. Like, give me some more. And you feel those pangs of hunger. And then you go and you take something in again, you spike back up again. So this is how we get used to doing this a lot with our blood sugar until it leads to the type two diabetes that we were discussing where, you know, you become insulin resistant because there's only so much of that that the body can take. And then the second thing that I found was super important was the blood sugar control. So the ketogenic diet is amazing for that. I kind of, when I started doing it, I stumbled upon it. So I decided that I'm going to try this. And this is away from when I was actually doing my fitness competition prep. This was just a, you know, I was at home and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I made an omelet. So I had eggs and I put in some avocado and it was the most delicious thing I had ever eaten. And it, and I felt really good. And I remember, and another thing that I recommend to people is pay attention to your body. So be mindful of how your body feels. And you spoke to that too, Ryan, when you said like, pay attention to when you feel full and then only eat when you're hungry again. And you, what I noticed is that I did not have digestive distress. So typically when I eat refined carbohydrates, um, so I'm talking about the pastas and the pizzas and all of that, I get bloated very easily, very quickly. And um, typically for people that don't know, and I'm sure that if you do the study, if you look at the, the science behind it, water follows carbohydrates. So pay attention to how you feel after you eat a carb rich meal, how you want to drink water. And of course, when you step on the scale, 500 milliliters of water equates is equal to one pound. So if you drink one liter of water, you're going to be stepping on the scale just from the water alone. So we're not even taking the meal into consideration. Just the water alone will, will show two pounds, one liter of water, two pounds on the scale. It's just water but it still shows up because a lot of people are very caught up in the numbers on the scale. So, and I believe that from a scientific perspective, um, like the, the amount of molecules of water versus carbohydrates. So that's why typically the carbohydrates are looking for the water and your body is, you feel thirsty and you are inclined to drink. Um, so blood sugar control is important because it reduces the blood sugar and the insulin levels. And remember, insulin is the weight gain hormone. That's what I call it next to its cousin, cortisol. Um, and that's that's why it's beneficial, right? Especially for people with diabetes, the most important and or people that have insulin resistance, right? Um, and improved brain function, which you spoke about, which is so important. I mean, speak to somebody who has lost a parent to... Alzheimer's or dementia, it is so heartbreaking. And and just go and do studies on that. Go to YouTube and look for videos where people speak about that. You guys, like your brain health is so important. And think of how much alcohol affects you. So when you drink, like how much sugar is in alcohol and how it completely turns off your cognitive abilities, like significantly I'm talking about. Um, so neurological disorders obviously play a huge role with the amount of sugar that you take in. Um, and the ketogenic diet obviously takes care of that easily because you don't have to worry about the sugar. You don't have to worry about the insulin. Uh, 
Um, and then, of course, the increased energy and the reduced hunger, which you talked about, Ryan. And I remember that's how I felt when I was getting ready for my show. Um, I I feared that if I didn't have carbohydrates, I was going to feel uh, lethargic, but it was actually the opposite. I had more energy and I did, I did not get as hungry as quickly. I didn't have to worry about like, oh, I have to eat, I have to eat. And even when I was getting ready for the show, like literally right before. So uh, just to give context to people, I was eating um, chicken, pan fried in butter, which was so delicious. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, so no carbohydrates. In fact, typically what I do is I start my day with lemon water, and I remember thinking, there's still a little bit of sugar in that lemon water, so I'm not going to. So what I did is I switched to salt water. So I was drinking salt water. I was eating um, meat, and sometimes it would be beef. Oftentimes it was chicken. And then I would have uh, broccoli, just green vegetables, Brussels sprouts, things of that nature. So my friends, you can do that or a salad and you know a little bit of fat um, and I said you could do avocados and you could do nuts and seeds, things like that, plus the fat of the actual meat itself. And then one of the things I wanted to tell people, especially those that are facing health conditions, um, the ketogenic diet, it actually improves triglycerides and your HDL levels. So if you are dealing with any kind of cholesterol issues, it leads to improvements in the risk factors for heart disease. Uh, especially when it comes to triglycerides and HDL cholesterol levels. I want you to know also that um, cholesterol, for those of you that are worried about it, is actually one of the most important components of our sex hormones. So gentlemen, for you, when it comes to your testosterone, do not skimp on fat and protein. Do not worry about eggs. I know people personally that have turned to eating only egg whites out of cartons, um, in fear of the egg yolk being the foe, which is not the case at all. So those are some of the pros of the ketogenic diet. And we touched on the other ones, Ryan, you know, when we talked about epilepsy and the healing aspects of it. Um, I think that, you know, just those five important factors plus the vanity perspective, <laughs> you're going to get to lose weight and look so much better. It will increase your confidence, takes away, you know, the feelings of depression or any of that. Um, I think that those are very important factors when it comes to health. It touches on a lot of the things that people suffer with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, I didn't pick up on it earlier. What you were talking about insulin is really important too, because mm -hmm. the majority of these lifestyle conditions that we struggle with nowadays, they are all metabolic conditions, as you said. And at the base of them is metabolic syndrome. And that is from raised blood glucose and raised insulin. And so by by taking control of that, you are massively reducing your risk for any of those things which are caused by metabolic syndrome, which is things like cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, and Alzheimer's, all things like that. So by attacking that source and keeping your glucose nice and steady, keeping your insulin nice and steady, you're, you're basically, your risk is coming way, 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 way down and, and you're going to be feeling much better and it's preventing them. And another thing like you touched on there about the water and the carbohydrates, that is um, what causes your high blood pressure. Do you have more water in your system? Carbohydrates and the high insulin causes your kidneys to hold on to salt and also your body to hold on to water. And that causes high blood pressure. So when you go to a ketogenic diet, one of the things we actually recommend is having more salt because your yes. body's now dumping that salt. 
but people worry about high blood pressure, but actually your blood pressure is going to go down on a ketogenic diet because you're now not hanging on to salt. Your body has perfect systems for excreting salt. It's got three different ways it can excrete salt, no issues. If you have too much salt, your body will get rid of it, no problem. The only problem is when we're having high, carbo high carbohydrate diet, the kidneys start hanging on to the salt and then it causes an issue. So we're going to lower our blood pressure. We're going to have steady glucose and steady insulin. And those three things alone are going to have huge knock-on effects for your health um, in, in a beneficial way and prevent you from becoming metabolically unhealthy. So they're really important points to make. And there was just one more quick thing I wanted to make on that because you, you spoke about alcohol there. And one of the funny mm -hmm. things about alcohol is that alcohol is actually a, a macronutrient in its own right. So our body can use alcohol for energy. And the reason that we burn carbohydrates before um, fat is the same reason we burn alcohol before carbohydrates. We get rid of what we don't want in our body. So if you have alcohol present, your body will actually use alcohol for energy before anything else. And then if you have carbohydrates, it will use it before fat. And the reason is that our body wants to bring our blood glucose level down. It's so important that our body keeps our blood glucose in that nice little tight range. And as soon as it gets out, our body's panicking and needs to bring it down. So that's why we burn carbohydrates first. Because some people say, oh, well, carbohydrates are our preferred fuel because we use them first. But if that logic was true, then alcohol is our preferred fuel because we'd use that before carbohydrate. I don't think we want to fuel an alcohol. So it's that's why we burn it. It's, it's, it's a self-defense mechanism because high blood glucose is, is what will damage us. Uh, apparently, I was listening to a podcast recently uh, with a neurologist and he was saying that your blood glucose being raised for just six hours will start to cause arterial damage um, in your body. So it's it's really important that we keep that nice and steady. So I think it's important to just emphasize that for people. Well, a lot of people, so my grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather was, he ended up actually dying and it was horrific. So he went blind. Uh, they had to amputate both of his legs. He was a chef um, back home many, many moons ago very way back in the day and um so because he was a chef a lot of the restaurant patrons used to buy him drinks so he was drinking every single day he ended up diabetic and for those of you that don't know and i'm sure ryan you can agree with this it leads to vision problems and blindness eventual blindness and it um i mean neuropathy and a whole bunch of other things but um his legs had to be amputated. So when he died, he died, like obviously he spent a big chunk of his life in a wheelchair, blind. Like imagine, imagine the quality of life that one would have to be 100% dependent on other people around you to take care of you and not even be able to, to walk, not be able to go to the washroom, not be able, like it's just horrific. Um, so, and that is just what, uh, alcohol abuse can lead to. So yeah. if you think about it, much like what you said, the carbohydrates present in alcohol, so the sugar, uh, leads to diabetes and it leads to all of these things that I just mentioned. And of course, I'm not suggesting that that's going to happen to absolutely everybody, but you want to take the risk is the question. And, um, uh, for those of you that are listening, the, blood sugar issue is actually, and diabetes for that matter, is the precursor to the really terrible things like cancer and obviously the neurological ones that we touched on. Um, it's just not worth to decrease your quality of life to that degree and suffer. And 
my friend, I urge you to think about the kind of pressure and what you would put your family and your loved ones around you through to see you suffer. So it has a ripple effect. So it's very important. And Ryan, I also wanted to touch on the whole thing with, with salt. I know that a lot of doctors say, so somebody in my family suffers, suffers, and I use that term loosely, with high blood pressure. So what I did, and of course, I, I do research, like I'm a just, I love to learn about this kind of stuff, especially because much like we said in the beginning, medicine is ever evolving, just like we are. So we are no longer the way we were back in the 50s and the 60s when we did not have an obesity epidemic. We have to look at health, what it is now, and kind of look at it through the lens of, you know, how have we evolved to get here? What has happened? And I try to keep up with that. So somebody in my family has high blood pressure. So doing research, I'm thinking, you know, this person is exercising six times a week. Um, diet is not ideal, but nevertheless, it should not lead to this. And of course, what do you think that the doctors would say? Oh, you probably eat too much salt. And in defense of this individual, yes, the salt intake is, but rightfully so, because we do need salt. I mean, let's think of the sodium potassium. Like we need to have that balance in the body. That's an important thing. And exactly what you describe, if your body holds on to the salt, uh, especially when you don't have enough of these minerals coming in, uh, it's going to hold on to the water, hence the water retention. That's what it's called, water retention. So what I did is I researched. So what had, what is what was actually the case, it was not the salt intake, um, high levels of um, homocysteine, and homocysteine is a amino acid and the uh, circulatory system is a closed system as we know. So, I mean, there's no, like the blood just flows in the body. The, there's no outlet for it. It just keeps on flowing, you know, from one end to the other. It's not like it goes out through the feces or the urine or anything like that. It stays within the body. So I said, Hey, how about if we try to, so I looked up like what would be the best thing to, what would be the best supplement to take to see? So I suggested trimethylglycine, uh, also known as TMG. And uh, we've been checking the blood pressure, which has started coming down. And so the salt intake is the same as it's been. Diet is the same as it's been. This has been the only change we've made. So my friends, please do not stop eating salt. I mean, of course, we want you to eat healthy salt, not any of the iodized crappy table salt that you see that there have been studies where they found uh, sand in it, which is crazy. Yeah. Imagine what does that, what that does to the insides of your um, blood vessels. So stay away from that. But definitely the good sea salt, Celtic salt and um pink Himalayan salt, those are very important. It can, they contain minerals that are so important to the body. Uh, very, very, that's the only way that you can get hydration into the cells. So if you're looking to hydrate at cellular level and you keep drinking water that contain, contains nothing because the, you know, it's been stripped of everything that's good, much like everything else in the marketplace, then you are going to retain the water, just like you described, Ryan. And you're going to see yourself going to the bathroom excessively, which means that that water is not getting into your cells. You're just eliminating it. So make sure you get those minerals in. They are very important. That was just an aside. Let's talk about the cons of the ketogenic diet. I know that we are proponents of it. 
and we have both experienced vast amounts of benefits. But I do want to recognize that much like everything else, there's a plus and a and a minus or positive and a negative for everything. Uh, it's the the way that life works. Uh, so I wanted to touch on some of the things. What are some of the cons of the diet for you, Ryan, that you've found? I think one of the main cons I think that gets thrown at it, which I completely understand, but I would have an answer to it, uh, which I'll come into after. One of the cons is that people would say it's not sustainable. It's, okay. it's, it's not long-term sustainable, you know, which, which I understand. But my defense of that would be that if it's done properly, it is. But unfortunately, with poor information out there, and a lot of poor guidance and, you know, they, the market's saturated with all these products, which are supposedly great for keto. I think that's the main reason people struggle with the sustainability and that if it was done properly, it would probably be sustainable. But, you know, still, you know, even done properly might not be sustainable for some people. And that's fine. I can I can accept that. Um, and then when you're looking at one of the other thing is the side effects. You know, we go. There's an adaptation phase that people will go through as your yes. body turns from you, you. You're going from one fuel to another. Like you've got a car that runs on diesel, and you've got to switch it over to unleaded. And there's a period where it's not running as well because you're changing over. And people can suffer from things like headaches and lack of energy, and muscle cramps, and and, and things like this. And um, but they should be only temporary, and normally they're electrolyte issues. But you know, some people can sometimes go through that phase and they can give up there because they're not aware that it's just a temporary thing. Um, and one of the other cons which I get, which I, I always try and at the beginning when working with a client, I will I will talk to them about this, is that some people can under eat and end up with low energy because the food you're eating is is so satiating and filling and it's nutrient dense and your body's not used to that. And so you can feel that you're full very quick and you can end up really under eating. You're not feeling that hunger you used to feel because the hunger you used to feel was maybe not even hunger. It was just that wanting carbs. So you've got to kind of relearn hunger and some people can under eat. And then if you're under eating, you can start to get issues then because you can start to be low in electrolytes because you're not eating enough and you can start to be low energy. So I think that's another con that people can sometimes run into. And like I say, I, I believe, again, I don't want to sound biased just because I support the ketogenic diet, but I think that most of the cons that people run into, if they were working with, you know, an expert or professional um, like yourself and like, and like myself, I think most of them could be overcome while still on a ketogenic diet. But, you know, I completely understand that it's not going to work for everyone. And those are kind of some of the main cons that I seem to come across with with people. Yes, and I wanted to touch. So what you said in the beginning, it's very important that um, if you if you don't do it right, yeah, you could really mess it up. However, and I want to really drive home what you said. Yes, it's so important that you let the body adjust, and um, just for you guys to know what I'm talking about for women. If you're on the birth control pill and you want to get pregnant, you get off the birth control pill and you have to give your body time to adjust for you to now kickstart all the mechanisms that the body is programmed um, to be able to drive all the you know functions for you to be able to get uh, pregnant. So there is that adjustment period that you have to wait. If you go on any medication, even doctors in the medical industry will tell you that you have to give it about 12 weeks 
that's the case I know for, uh, because one of my clients, uh, we were talking and, you know, we were addressing the, um, Zoloft that she was put on. So that's a anti, um, depression medication an SSRI. And apparently she has to wait for 12 weeks until her body adjusts to this medication. So the adjustment period is, um, like it's present in any area, whether you're going to be going, you know, the medication route, whether you're going to go the diet route, the lifestyle route, you do have to give your body, do not expect today to start keto and tomorrow you're at your magical weight that you want to be. You have to wait for the body to get into its normal phases and normal processes to adjust. So that's a very, very important thing. And I think that people start to mess it up because they see no results in the time frame that they have stuck in their minds and then they mess it up. And I'm I'm guilty of that because I remember when I was um, doing one of my competitions, um, I remember talking to a coach and they said, just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, no, I don't think like, I think I'm just taking in too much fat. And they're like, no, 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 do not mess it up. And of course I didn't listen. And then I, and I saw the change. Um, so yes, uh, sort of, see it through, be consistent. That's very important. Uh, I think what you were referring to about the experience of the um, muscle aches and those things, I think they call that the keto flu. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that that's what I've heard from the people because it feels like a flu. Um, so that is the adjustment. That's part of the adjustment period and where the body is switching to another energy source, just the way you described it, going from one, from diesel to regular gasoline. Uh, so now you, your body has to adjust to going from the sugar, be using sugar as the fuel to using fat as the fuel. So yes, there, there, there has to be a transition there much like it is like when you start to fast, you know, you're going to feel the hunger and then you, you're not going to feel the hunger anymore. And, uh, yes, satiety wise, I've also experienced that when you eat those kind of things, especially because you're not spiking. Remember the, what I just said earlier, when you spike that blood sugar and then when it comes down, when it comes down, you're like, oh, I'm hungry again. And you want to spike the blood sugar again. When you eliminate, eliminate the sugar, there's not going to be any more of those. Feed me again, feed me again, because it's so sustained, right? And um, for those of you from a scientific perspective, fat and protein are very dense, nutrient dense. If you're going to be eating what they call empty calories from bagels and all the crappy carbohydrates that people typically eat. So that's what drives your, you're undernourished. So you're eating, but you're not nourishing. Um, so you're taking in calories, but those calories are not nourishing your body. Whereas when you eat whole meats and whole uh, fats, I'm not talking about the ones like that have been processed and refined just the way mother nature made them. You will see that that is true nourishment. So you will not feel that, you know, yo-yo hunger cues that your body gets from when you keep spiking. And that happens actually, I wanted to inform people that happens with fruit too. So if you have an apple as a, as a snack, as people do, they will see that uh, after about 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, you're hungry again. You're like, okay, I, it's like you just opened the, the gates of the digestion. So what is that? Hey, give me more. So 
you have to understand that when you eat these really nutrient dense foods, the fats and the proteins, it's actually so much more sustainable. You're not going to go through that. Uh, you did say that one of the cons is the heart to sustain. That's right. It's quite restrictive in that regard, but I urge everyone to give it a try be that for therapeutic reasons, because you're suffering from something, because you're just testing it out and you want to see what the hype is all about, because you want to lose weight for an upcoming trip or a, an event like, you know, somebody's wedding, your own wedding, and you want to fit into your dress or your whatever uh, you're going to be wearing at the, at the wedding. Um, try it out and don't feel like you have to be on it for life, but just at least give it a try so you could see the benefits and you and pay attention to your health and the quality of life, how great you feel, your energy levels, the fact that you're not sluggish anymore, you're not a slave to the carbohydrates and the sugar that your body wants to eat. And oftentimes that's actually a lot of the stuff that's inside. So like parasites and things of that nature that want. And remember, my friends, this has been the case and everybody knows about it. I, I will speak with Ryan about it later on in the show, but uh, the preferred food and type of energy for cancer is sugar. So don't forget that. The reason why your body's asking for sugar, especially if you have cancer, oh my God, the body's going to ask like crazy because cancer is fighting for its survival too. Um, I think one of the other cons is uh, possibly some uh, nutri like nu nutritional deficiencies, nutrient deficiencies, whatever you want to call it, because I think restricting carbohydrates, people will find that um, uh, they are lacking what they need and what some of those carbohydrates offer them, so vitamins and minerals. And my friends, I'm not talking about bagels and any of that stuff, chips or anything. I'm talking about, like for example, a good carbohydrate such as a sweet potato. You get a lot of nutrients out of a sweet potato. Uh, if you eliminate that out of the diet, that obviously you take away all the the nutrients that that offers you. So perhaps that's what we're talking about. But again, like I said, if you want to reintroduce a little bit of carbs and go with very low carb or you know medium carb intake, but if you are going to be taking in carbs, make sure those are not refined and stripped of what is good in them. Um, such as, you know, French fries. A lot of people say, oh, that French fries are, you know, vegan and they're great. No, they're not. You do not. One of the things, so I know that I'm going on a tangent here, but I really wanted to mention. So fat mixed with carbohydrates is probably the worst sin that you can commit when it comes to nutrition. So French fries uh, the potato, assuming that it is a real potato that you're getting your fries from, the potato being a starch fried in a fat. So now you're mixing fat with starch. That's like a an atomic bomb for your health. So there you have it. Trust me on this. I mean, I have tested all of this stuff on myself and I've also worked with my dad when he had cancer. Eliminating that will do you so much. Even if you eliminate just that, you will see how how great it would be. Um, and I think digestive issues is another con um, because if you're going to be eating a lot of um, a lot of meat and a lot of fat, you will see that you might get uh, constipated because the body looks for fiber to be able to 
move your bowels. And those are from, you can get a lot of fiber. I know a lot of times people think that fiber comes from bread, not so. Fiber is actually great from uh, vegetables. And uh, not all vegetables are created equally. I want to really emphasize that. So let's say if you're going to eat a beet, which is very high in its own sugar, versus eating broccoli, which has very, very little sugar, both would provide you with uh, fiber. But you, if you're looking to do keto, I suggest you go and look at what are the vegetables that are the lowest in carbohydrates and have off, still offer that that fiber that's so important to have for um, colon motility. So you, you could be able to go to the bathroom as needed. You're going to be able to move your bowels. And um, salads, that's what I used to do. I used to make a massive salad. So uh, spinach uh, and things that were very low on that glycemic index. And that was my fiber when I was getting ready for my show. And yes, no constipation. I was able to still go to the bathroom because one of the most important things in the fitness industry is how flat is your stomach. That is the hallmark of you are doing the right thing. And did you drop enough fat? And, you know, for those of you that have been in that industry, you know that the last place you will drop your fat is on your abdomen. That is, and the body holds on to it there because obviously all the important organs are in um, inside the abdomen. So those are some of the cons of the ketogenic diet. I have seen, and in my personal opinion, and Ryan, I'd love to know yours, I have seen that the pros uh, far outweigh the cons, especially because I 100% do not want to get cancer. So I do not want the sugar to mess around with the chances. And for those of you that have heard this, Ryan, I'm sure you have, they say that uh, genes load the gun and diet and lifestyle pull the trigger. So if you have a predisposition and you go and you eat a lot of sugar, then you're going to be pulling that trigger very quickly. So I, I urge everyone, and if you don't have a predisposition genetically, you could still create that by messing around with the body's natural inclinations and its natural processes. Um, so how has it been for you, Ryan, and people you've worked with? Uh, I'm sure that the keto diet has proved far more beneficial than detrimental. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I said it It goes back to the point that I think done properly and done with an expert, yes. you can you can get rid of most of those cons, you know, like with the, the nutrient deficiency. Again, done done properly, you shouldn't have any nutrient deficiencies. But obviously, if you're, if you're just guessing at it and saying, I might just have this, this, then you could end up with nutrient deficiencies very easily. Um, so, so things like that. So I think done done properly, the pros far outweigh the cons. Um, and, and you can, there's an answer to any issues that people come up with. But like I say, I don't want to seem like I'm saying keto's the only way there's nothing wrong with it. it you know, some people it's, it's not going to be the thing for them, but I think if it's something you want to do, um, there are ways to overcome any issues that you might come into by doing it properly and getting the right, you know, getting, as you say, just a ketogenic diets are really wide. Like that could mean anything. And, and you could eat a ketogenic diet with like tons of really nutrient dense food and you could also eat a ketogenic diet with a lot of processed rubbish and not much nutrients and then you'll you'll have issues so 
it's it's yeah it's how you do it and done properly you know we've seen amazing results with it in myself with clients and and speaking to other people that we've had on you know on the podcast and sharing other people's stories you know people have had amazing results so like you said i think encourage people to to try and, and to have a go and as you said it, it doesn't have you don't have to long term do it you can use it as a as a therapeutic thing you you could say i'm going right i'm going to go into this for a while as a therapeutic thing to drop some weight to improve my health and then you could just go back to what you find comfortable hopefully not adding back loads of processed stuff but you don't have to be as strict all the time you, you can use it as a therapy to go in and out of i think that's um it can be more flexible for people who don't feel they could do it long term yeah and you know uh so i want to go back because you just you just brought something to my mind so when i said that the nutritional deficiencies let's say if you eat sweet potatoes and i'm a big proponent because sweet potatoes are great and they offer a lot of nutrients so if you're going to dedicate your life to this, especially if you are afflicted with any kind of chronic condition, go and uh, go to our best friend, Google, you know, uh, and check what are the nutrients in a sweet potato. Great. Then you find out what those nutrients are. And then you say, where can I, what other vegetables can I find these nutrients in? And then go and look for, for vegetables, much like what I said that offer the same kind of nutrients if those are important to you, like broccoli or Brussels sprouts, anything from the brassica family. So the greens, which are the most um, really well known for being the healthiest, especially so in my studies for cancer, the green family offers the most support and the most uh, prevention. So, or even if you are afflicted with it, it actually offers the body a lot to be able to fight off the cancer. So go and Google what nutrients are in the sweet potato or whatever you are eating that you want to continue having in your diet. And then go and say, what other food, all food, natural food, we're not looking at anything that's been processed or refined. Where can I find those same nutrients? What other vegetables offer that so that you could have your, your fiber? So it's not difficult to be able to Trust me when I tell you, if you dedicate yourself to it, you will see that it it's, it works so great. And I speak from experience. I've done that um, when working with uh, my father, especially for, for cancer. So that's what I did. So just a, a little bit of a background. My father had two cancers. Um, first cancer was uh, lung cancer. And I begged him. He was, I mean, he being the old typical European suburb man, uh, and conditioned to think that the medical industry knows because those are the people that went and studied it. And rightfully so. I consider myself an expert in this field when it comes to health and wellness. So I went and I studied it. So he was trusting that doctors that have studied this know. And I, so they recommended that they do surgery. I told him not to, that in fact, we could actually reverse this very easily. But he went forward and I said, you know what, I'm going to support him. Uh, because he made his decision. And I said, it's best to at least give the body a fighting chance. So I supported him through um, what I called nutritional oncology. So I supported him with um, with his diet. And we had many different approaches, but my the most important thing, like my biggest thing was that I wanted his body to get nutrients so that it can actually go through its functions. Because uh, for those of you that don't know, and I'm sure everybody knows, when you go through the typical um, therapies such as uh, chemotherapy and radiation and even surgery, I'll talk about surgery in a second, but those actually kill all cells indiscriminately. 
the good and the healthy, as well as the damaged ones that we are trying to target. Um, when surgically speaking, I want you to know that uh, cells like a, a tumor, a cancer has its own DNA. And what I mean by that is that those cells that have been damaged, so they have gone through a mutation or they're damaged cells, that means that the DNA of a healthy cell is different than the DNA of a damaged cell. So during the surgical procedures, and this is what I told my father, uh, I said, once they open that up and it's going to definitely end up in the bloodstream and that DNA is going to take up residence elsewhere in the body where it's going to find a good host and cancer has an affinity for organs. Um, and sure enough, second cancer ended up in the prostate, despite the fact that after he had his uh, surgery, you know, they assured him that he was in the clear and they were doing all kinds of tests. And then lo and behold, a few months later, he was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. So in that time, at least he had learned because had he listened to me, I, I think he recognized that had he listened to me, we could have easily turned that ship around. It would have taken us time, but we could have done it. So this time we opted for um, a very in-depth nutritional approach and keto was what we did. And not because I thought that that was the best thing at the time, but because my I wanted to work with my father and I really want to drive the point home that you made, Ryan, that we work with our clients and we work with what is part of their dietary um, inclinations. My father was a meat eater his whole life. So I could have not said to him, hey, dad, don't eat meat. Let's just eat vegetables and all that. But what I did do is keto, so fat and um, meat, and it was organic. I really want to make sure that people understand. I did not want him to eat any of the meat that was full of, uh, injected with a lot of things like antibiotics, which would disrupt his, uh, especially his gut. Uh, or the hormones, which would disrupt his own hormonal balance. So we did organic and then fasting. And that, my friends, worked wonders. And um, God bless him. He was very, you know, stubborn as all older men are, but he was uh, kind enough to at least let me guide him. And here he is. Uh, just so you guys know, my father is alive. He's great. He's living his best life. He's about 75 years old now. And, you know, I really thank keto for that, not only because it helped me with my uh, weight loss journey, but because it really helped him with, um, with his cancer. But I want to now touch on who it's best suited for, Ryan. Um, I from my perspective, and tell me if you agree, I think it's great for weight loss seekers, first and foremost, because I sought it for those reasons alone, especially because I wanted to lose the weight quickly. And again, I turned my body around, not that I was far off, but I, I got to be stage ready in about six weeks, which is a ridiculously short period of time. Uh, so short term, if you're looking for to go on vacation, weddings, or any kind of events. It's really great if done properly. I want to emphasize that. Um, medical conditions. So epilepsy, of course, brain disease, metabolic disorders that we just discussed until now. Um, but again, work with somebody who really knows how to do the keto diet properly. You do not want to go and eat much like the vegan community, because I was vegan for a whole bunch of time. I 
like I've trust me when I tell you I've studied this and I tried it all. Um, and as an aside, I want you to know that all roads, of course, the proverbial, all roads lead to Rome. Or if you're trying to get to the airport, you could walk there, you could jog there, you could take your bike, you could take a car, you could take a train, whatever the case may be, however you get there. So to get to health, it, neither myself nor Ryan, I'm sure, would say that this is the be all end all. There are many ways in which you can achieve your health. Uh, this is a great one that we're both proponents uh, of, especially when it comes to medical conditions, but do work with somebody who knows and has gone through the education and has been able to test it out to know what they're doing. Um, and for those of you that think that because you stay keto and you eat excessive amounts of fat and protein, you will gain weight. Trust me. <laughs> so, so work with somebody and, uh, best suited. And I, I kept this one for, um, for the end, but it's the most important one, uh, diabetes, diabetes for diabetics, for people that are afflicted with, uh, diabetes, especially if they want to improve glycemic control. So sugar control, um, and of course, again, work with somebody who knows um, there would be a process. I'm sure, Ryan, that's how you do it. Like you do certain tests to see where your blood sugar is at. And then we take a slow approach for you to see how you feel, put you in touch with your body's cues and triggers. So if you have your hunger triggered, then you would have to pay attention to, you know, was that as a result of you having eaten something that was very rich in carbohydrates or not? Um, have I covered everything? Is there anything you want to add who it's suited I, for? I think you've done a great job. I, I think, like you said, you made the really important point that if you are someone who is suffering from some kind of serious health condition, it's really important to to work with a professional because, as we've said a couple of times throughout this, you know, a ketogenic diet can be done wrong, just like any diet can be done wrong. So true. And it's it's important to do it right to get the benefits. But, you know, in, in my experience, we've not seen anything that it doesn't help, you know. So I would say anything you have, it, it's worth looking into and seeing if that will work with you, you know, pretty much everything. And as you say, things like diabetes and metabolic conditions, it's absolutely perfect for um, weight loss. Um, so, yeah, I think any condition you have, um, you should look into it. You know, things we've seen things with migraines and we've worked with people with thyroid oh, yes. conditions and helped that. Um, there, there's even been some, uh, I've been looking into this recently because I, I had some potential clients that have got motor neuron disease and, and ketogenic diets have been showing some very promising results with motor neuron disease and ALS, things like that, um, which are very progressive conditions. So yeah, pretty much everything. Um, that There doesn't seem to be anything that it, it can't benefit. Again, like you said, not to say that keto is the only thing you can do for them. I'm sure there's other ones, but it's something that that is worth trying because it, it could work for anything. Yeah, so because uh, veganism is also, you know, a, a diet or lifestyle rather that um, people engage in for health purposes. Remember even that, and I have seen a lot when I was in, in the vegan, part of the vegan community. I mean, aside from the fact that everybody was so judgmental, if you even... Uh, uttered the word meat or anything related to an animal product, even honey. Um, but uh, like I mentioned earlier, very terrible foods like French fries. Those are very vegan. They are so <laughs> terrible for you. Or breads, they are looked at as vegan and people really spike their sugar. So you see a lot of vegans that are extremely unhealthy. So 
please use caution. That's why we recommend that you work with a professional that has been able to study this and has had the ability to test it out, whether on themselves or with their clients to see exactly how we respond. And again, keep in mind that everything evolves. I mean, it was not too long ago when the low-fat diet was um, was a big thing and when doctors were recommending smoking for, um, you know, calming down or relaxing. And then we had the whole cancer wave that um, came subsequent to that kind of advice. And Ryan, let's talk a little bit about who should avoid it so that the audience can understand, because there is a certain demographic that should not, as much as we love this, um, especially in the industry of, you know, the medical industry and, and those people that are afflicted with certain things, which would you say would be the most, um, the people that should stay away from this because it's more damaging to them than um, than beneficial? Um, I mean, I'll be honest, in our experience so far, we've not really had anyone that it that it hasn't worked for. Um, you know, there's, you know, there, there might be certain people that maybe have issues with um, uh, eating disorders that that might struggle with with things like that and it can it can lead to real issues for them because of they get obsessed with certain things potentially although it would improve their brain function uh through the ketone so potentially it would actually help with it um but but overall i mean we really haven't uh come across anyone or seen anything that 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 i would find it that i would advise not to do it um so so far so one of the um like one part of the demographic that I would recommend if you have gallbladder issues. So the gallbladder is that amazing organ that works alongside the liver and it actually uh, provides the necessary things that would emulsify the fat that we eat. And um, I know people in my family that have gone the route of removing their gallbladder. Uh, I'm not a proponent of that. I really want to say that outright. I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but I believe that every single organ and everything that is on and in the body that you were born with has a function. And I'm talking about the appendix, and I'm talking about the gallbladder, and I'm talking about the thyroid and all other organs that, uh, you know, is so prevalent for the medical industry to remove. And I have been on the receiving end of that when I was younger. So it was not my, it would have never been my choice. I have not gone down that route with my children, but my appendix was removed when I was about seven or eight years old. And for those that believe that that's, a, you know, an organ that has no value or no no benefit to health or no function, that's actually wrong because it contains certain bacteria uh, that it, it can inject, for lack of a better term, or inoculate the um, the colon with uh, when necessary to maintain a certain balance of what's needed in the colon for um, for good health and for, you know, especially if you're afflicted with constipation and things of that nature. So that has a very important job. Uh, same thing with the gallbladder. Um, my tonsils were also removed. So uh, those are super important for draining out the toxicity out of the head. Um, so I made the connection, especially when, uh, for those of you that have listened to the show, you know, I had a stroke back in 2011. Um, I think that a lot of the toxicity that accumulates in the head, because it accumulates everywhere, especially, and I'm not saying that I was leading a bad lifestyle and that I kind of led myself down that path, but 
we do all breathe very polluted air, especially if you live in big cities. Um, we do have, our water is obviously not the cleanest. The food supply is not the greatest, especially because it's, like I said, mainstream foods, commercial foods are full of crap. Um, so I believe that the tonsils play a big role. Mine were removed. So I'm not a big proponent of removing organs out of the body or any kind of tissue for that matter. So pay attention to that. So I do believe that those that have gallbladder issues should probably be very cautious if they're going to be going down the keto, especially because keto has um, fat is a front and center, uh, like high fat and uh, moderate amounts of uh, protein. That's what keto stands for. I also think that perhaps pregnant or breastfeeding women um, maybe should not be strict in the sense that you and I would be. Like if you're trying to lose weight on this when you're breastfeeding or, you know, pregnant, you're not trying to lose weight. You're trying to make sure you get adequate nutrients in so that baby has what it needs and mom has what it what she needs to be able to, you know, let the body do all of its functions and be able to provide the development of the baby with what it needs. So perhaps those should be individuals that should be very cautious. And uh, by all means, you could do carbohydrates, maybe even in low quantities, but Again, the foundation of all good nutrition is whole natural foods. Um, and maybe those that have a, I would say, because I was thinking about this this morning before you and I jumped on this, Brian, maybe those that have eating disorder uh, tendencies, because it, that those sort of the restriction, like if restriction is a thing in them, then they they might abuse it in the sense of that they could say, well, I, okay, I'll have fat, but just this tiny little bit. I remember I was talking to an individual, you know, back in the day, and uh, his daughter had gone through a bout of anorexia. And he was trying to accommodate her as not to be too pushy. And uh, he told me that she would wipe off uh, salad dressing off leaves of like spinach leaves because she thought that that's what would make her fat. So when you have this kind of, um, I guess, restriction for lack of a better term, it might trigger something in those with eating disorders. But this is more of a gray area. It's not so binary. Um, so I wanted to really kind of drive home the point of who should avoid it because if you are in any of those categories and you're wondering like, oh, I can, I can do this and then you end up you know, if you don't have a gallbladder and then you eat excessive amounts of fat and then you realize that, oh my God, my body is struggling. And those of you that have had their gallbladders removed, you know, they put you on medication to be able to kind of mimic the job of the gallbladder because they took it out. So that there should tell you why you should not take anything out because they do typically replace things much like they did with the fat-free craze. They took away the fat, but they replaced it with something. Like when you when you liberate an, like the energy of an area, that area cannot remain empty. It has to be filled with something. That's one of the fundamentals, laws of nature and laws of the universe. Um, so in lieu of the gallbladder, they give you medication. So there you have it. I wanted to say that as an aside. So I really believe that the keto diet um, has a massive, massive benefits especially when it comes to weight loss, managing medical conditions that Ryan and I touched on. Uh, but again, approach it with caution, work with somebody who obviously knows what they're doing. 
And if you follow Ryan on social media, and I will get him to share his handles and how he could be reached, um, you will see that he's a big proponent and he provides a lot of information on how to approach keto. But again, don't use a 60-second reel on Instagram uh, as advice. And none of this is um, medical advice, but at least if you're going to be changing your lifestyle and your diet, work with somebody. And I've said this before, um, I will say it again, you do not need to work with any professional in the industry for the rest of your life. Um, the way that the medical industry has operated, where you get on a medication and you're on it for 15, 16, 20, 25 years, five years, three years, whatever. If you're looking to heal, if you have to be on something for 15 years, my goodness, when are you going to heal? So work with a professional, at least from an educational perspective. I try to make this show as educational as possible so that we give you the fundamentals of the ketogenic diet, but work with somebody who could take into account what your specific biochemical and bio, like just your uniqueness as, as, an, as an individual. Like if somebody's 20 pounds overweight and what kind of approach would they use versus, and let's say they also have had cancer versus somebody who is 120 pounds overweight, they've never had cancer and they've just kind of gone through a breakup and they spiraled out of control with their eating. Drastically different individuals. One could be a woman, one could be a man. We actually take all of those things into account, which is why we call ourselves holistic. So we take the whole person into account. So work with a professional to at least learn. Approach it from working with that professional saying, teach me how to sustain this afterwards. When can I get off? How much carbs? If I ever want to have carbs, how much can I have and why? So ask questions. We are we are educated. We're able to answer those questions. We are not those that dispense something um, without explaining it. I know that a lot in the medical profession, you go and you take a medication without asking questions. You really want to know how that particular approach is going to interface with your body. You really should know those things. Do not just, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind because you might find yourself on the other side of the coin and then it's going to be a much more difficult journey kind of undoing that. Um, so as with any dietary changes, remember what Ryan said, it does take time for your body to adjust. So consult with one of us, consult with a professional so that your needs, circumstances, whatever it may be, can be taken into account. Ryan, please tell the audience what I have missed because I really want you to be able, like I, I want people, to, you're in the UK, I really want people to reach out to you. Please share with us how you could be found, but what have I missed that you have found through your work with your with your clients or even for yourself that uh, the audience needs to hear? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you've done a great job of covering um, pretty much everything. I think again, I want to emphasize the point that you made that work, working with a professional is so important. And um, because I'll just quickly come back to the the points you raised earlier. So like the, the, with the gall, people with the gallbladder issues or not having a gallbladder. Um, the, so the gallbladder releases bile, which helps you to absorb fat. But um, if your gallbladder is taken out, your body still produces a small amount of bile, but it will just drip out rather than releasing it when you eat. So you need to eat in smaller amounts or you can take things like ox bile um, with it to help you absorb it. Um, and same with pregnant women. If they're doing it properly, how I would do it, you wouldn't be restricting at all your eating. Like we talked before about you don't have to count calories. So you should be in enough that, that would be fine. So again, like you say, if people ha are pregnant or if they have gallbladder issues and they're just doing it on their own, 
there, there may be better to not do it. But if you're working with a professional, then it's probably going to be okay because all of those things, again, are work roundable. Um, but, you know, obviously, as we said with the eating disorder, if someone has an eating disorder, maybe don't go try and keto on your own because it could end up with worse problems. But if you want to work with a professional, it's been shown to work very well um, because obviously cognitive things it works well with anorexia is actually something that the ketogenic diet has had great results for but working with a professional so i think i think that's the nuance that we need to put in and without a professional yeah maybe those people should be careful about about getting involved but you know i think you you've you've covered it brilliantly and there's just so many of these health issues that it that it really helps and like you said there's different levels to it you know some some people say you know, you want to get under 20 grams of carbs. And for some people, it will be 50 grams of carbs. And, you know, you can play around with it and you don't have to be really, really strict all the time and it doesn't have to be your whole life. And like you said, with the coaching, we aim to just educate you how to do it yourself and send you That's out. Right. It's, it's not a long-term thing. We just spend a bit of time with you telling you, okay, for your situation, for your condition, you know, this is what's going to work. This is why it works. This is what you need to do. Let's find something that works for you. And, you know, in a short amount of time, you're ready to to manage it on your own. And that that's our aim. Like you said, ed education, same as you. And and then people are ready to just go off and, and do it themselves. And that that's what we aim for. Yeah. And it's a journey. I mean, if you're optimizing for health because you're afflicted with a condition, it's much more different than if you are uh, just looking to lose weight. I mean, even the mindset alone is different. Even when it comes to fasting, if you switch your mindset, it's amazing what it can do because people look at, uh, if, are you going to look at uh, fasting as something that you do because there's scarcity and famine and there's just not enough or there is none? Or are you looking at it as I am consciously choosing to undertake this despite the fact that there's enough out there that I can turn and eat anytime? So again... Like Ryan said, work with a professional because we are able to guide you through those hurdles and a lot of people have questions. And by all means, do not go online and download something that a bodybuilder does and you're going to be using it because you have cancer. Don't do that. <laughs> work with a professional. <laughs> Ryan, in closing, where can people find you? You are a wealth of knowledge. You're definitely like talking from an experiential perspective because you yourself have used it and I'm sure you've also helped your clients and your family where can people find you to work with you so that you can at least educate them or guide them down the journey back to health yes so we have a website which is the easiest place to find us that's got everything on so that is healthwealthuk.com that has all our links on there on social media i'm ryan health wealth um, and our, our podcast is hw pod uk uh, it's pretty much the same on all social media platforms so they're the, the easiest way to find us all of that is available on your website, I assume, so that people yes. can, if they want to find where they could find you, go to the website first and foremost. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much. We've taken so much of our audience's time today, a little bit over two hours, but thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate everything that you've shared. Um, and of course, you, for everybody listening, you can reach out to myself or to Ryan. If you can reach out to me and you want to work with Ryan, I'm happy to direct you to him. Uh, he is a wealth of knowledge, a fellow podcaster. Go give him a listen. He's got a wealth of knowledge uh, on his own podcasts. So, and again, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. 
Let us know if you want to hear more from either one of us, especially when it comes to this amazing diet or any other uh, topics of discussion related to health and wealth. Of course, keto is one of the tools in our toolbox. We actually have many. Thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next time on the next episode. Thank you for tuning to The Confidential. We hope you enjoyed the episode and found it interesting and informative. Please subscribe to the show to receive notifications when new episodes are released. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at The Confidential Podcast to stay up to date with all things related to the show. We appreciate your support and welcome any feedback you may have. Until next time, stay curious and keep on learning. Thank you for listening.